0: This is a Hot
1: Pie Media Original. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp assesses your needs and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating with them in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, it's not a self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely online. With a broad range of expertise, which might not be available in local markets, the services are available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and even send messages to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly online video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room again. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional therapy and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials. Visit betterhelp.com/sss. That's better h e l p.com/sss. The code for stop self-sabotage and join the over 1 million people who've taken charge of their mental health. In fact, so many people have been using Better help that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. So don't forget the special offer for stop self-sabotage listeners is to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com SSS. If you like stop self-sabotage, check out another hot pie media original,
0: The Blueprint, brought to you by The Festive Kitchen, now offering comfort food hugs. Find them at www.festivekitchen. We're talking in our leading expert section. We are talking with our favorite Dr. Dave Rice. Dr. Dave. Hello. Hey. And we have been in a session here. We have had three well two before now, and we're going to combine two stages in this one. And you know, everyone who's listened has just loved this material. And now we are going to finish it up and we're going to give everyone the total answers to everything that's ever bothered them in their whole life. Right, Dave?
2: Right. We're going to we're going to feed them with a fire hose. <laughs>
0: Good, good, good. Well, we know that emotions and feelings is in every business. Come on. Yep. Harvard Business um just did a study that came out and it said that the business of business is emotions. Mm-hmm. And that you don't park your emotions at the door and that too, for too often uh corporations have ignored emotions to their detriment. So, there's no way to ignore your emotions because no. you are face to face with them and they either deal you either deal with them or they deal with you. Well,
2: and emotions really show us, they're they're like thermometers or barometers, they show us what we value, and they also serve to protect us, they're like nerve endings.
0: Yes, yes. What's
2: important, what feels good, but also what what feels bad.
0: So what feels good and what's important Mm -hmm. to us, uh, these are barometers we're looking at. Okay, so let's, um, for people who just kind of come into the series, let's uh, review our first two stages and help I'm Overwhelmed. Let's talk about those two, and then we're going to go into the last two today. Right,
2: okay. The, uh, the whole purpose of this is talking about when people start businesses, as we all know, you go through cycles and stages, and um, we hit snags, and we hit roadblocks, and we hit areas where we're stuck, and you and I do a lot of consulting with people and kind of listen to what some of their issues are and what they're feeling and thinking, and then we kind of assess, hmm, I think they're kind of stuck here, whether it's somebody that's starting a business or uh, somebody that's been building one for a long time, and so... Um, the goal here is to lay out a kind of a four-stage model that I, based on how we all develop emotionally, and uh, physiologically. Right. And the first stage has to do with the stage of trusting and belonging and feeling a part of. And,
0: Help! And, I'm stuck.
2: Right.
3: Yes.
0: So if I'm you didn't stuck. get that, that's one you want to mm-hmm. go back and listen to, and that's about the abandonment issues, betrayal issues, comparison yep. issues, all those kind of things that that have to do with inclusion. Right. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. right. It, it, the basic okay. question is is, can, can I count on you to be there when I need you? Yes. And that, whether it's somebody, a mentor or, or a parent or a child or, or whatever. The second stage, uh, as we move along, and this first stage, by the way, is usually the first year or so of life when the infant is connecting and bonding and feeling comforted and loved and things like that. And then they move on into the second stage, which is the ownership and choice stage. This is where they start to separate. They walk, they crawl, start to learn words, they say no, and they start to develop a little sense of independence in themselves. And we call that kind of the boundary stage. There's a lot of book on boundaries these days. Yes. And uh, people here sometimes uh, tend to be impulsive if they struggle with it or they feel like they are they can't be separate. They have to say yes a lot and please. It's kind of the codependent stage, if you will.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: mm-hmm. Uh, tend to have panic issues and things like that. And so... Uh, The key in that stage is to develop a real clear sense of my identity, who who I am apart from those I'm connected to. I want to be close and connected, but I'm I'm either afraid I'm going to lose myself in it, in my opinions and my ideas, or I just can't seem to be close enough because people don't seem to welcome it. Kind of go one direction or the other. Right. And so when we're born, we connect and we start to separate. And the key is, can I stay connected and be separate at the same time? Mm -hmm. Ideas, feelings. Now, we get into the, the really the interesting stages that, that hit a lot of buttons is stage three and four.
0: Which is the stages we're doing now.
2: Yes. Stage okay. three is the reality stage, and stage four is the maturity stage. And we all cycle through these through life, but overall we go through them when we're, when we're little, and then you kind of repeat them when you're a teenager a bit. And then even in marriage, marriage goes through actually these same stages.
0: That's interesting. I would say that my husband has never hit the maturity stage. <laughs> you tell me that about you. Okay.
2: Yeah, my wife would definitely say that about me, and that's partly why she loves me and partly why, why I frustrate her. <laughs> little boys, come on, somewhere yeah, down the there. I know,
0: I know. That's part part of the delight. That's true. That's true. Okay, so, so, so now this is really interesting. The interesting part is that these are developmental stages, meaning every child goes through these stages. Yes. They have to to develop. Yes. Then they repeat them in adolescence. Mm-hmm. And then when you get in marriage, you may repeat them in terms of relationships, Yes. and then we repeat them in terms of our career.
3: Yes, our
2: business. So,
0: Absolutely. if you're stuck from from, a, from infancy, you may be stuck in your career in mm-hmm. the same stage. Right, exactly. Interesting.
2: And you see that in marriage. People get together. The first stage is the trusting stage where you meet somebody, you fall in love, and you just think of nothing but them, and they think of nothing but you. And that's important to have to bond. And you get that in your business. People come in, they're excited. This is great. Things like that. Then they start to move into the separateness stage and ownership stage, stage two, and they start to have to own their own business. And for some of them, it gets very scary. Others of them are just launch it.
3: Mm -hmm. They're ready to go. Mm -hmm.
2: And and each stage builds on the other.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, And and there's tasks, developmental tasks you need to master at each stage.
2: And we never fully uh, perfect each one. Right. You just don't. You always have to recycle and kind of look at issues. I do. You do. Right. Um, Everybody listening uh, does. So the third stage, the reality stage, is where we're coping with and balancing the good and bad in life, the failure and the successes. And boy, that hits a lot of buttons. And we call it the it's the ideal self versus the real self.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: we'll talk about that in a second. Okay. Um, so things will things people say that tell you and I, hmm, I think they're really stuck at this stage. Somebody might say to you, gosh, I just beat myself up for not hitting that goal. I, just Time and time again, I can't seem to reach
3: it. Mm-hmm.
2: Or other people pass me up and they hit it and I don't. Um, what's, what's wrong with me? Uh, I, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Something seems to be wrong with me. You know, those kind of statements. Or, you know, I just can't do this. I, I don't have what it takes. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I say that. Or, this is an interesting one, gosh, there are so many kind of whiners around me. My family, my business—I just wish they grow up. Mm-hmm. That's one.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So those are kind of little hints as to, hmm, I think they've got we're stuck at the kind of the reality stage, stages of balancing the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or the or the battle actually between the ideal self and the real self. And so the two basic problems that children have to face when they're small, and then as adults, is there are good things in life and there are bad things in life, and To be able to integrate both of those to where I can care about you and love you and enjoy you and so forth and still be frustrated with you or you, me, and still feel connected Mm -hmm. and realize nobody's perfect, things don't always go as I want, it's not that things are good or bad, they just are. Mm -hmm. And yet we have the ideal self in our head that that basically says, this is who I think it should be, this is who I want to be, and I have this imagined perfection in my head versus the real self that says, well, here's what I truly am. It's not the one I want to be or wish to be. It's who I really am today. Not that we don't want to become more. So what happens is when we're we're small, our parents certainly have this ideal that they want for us, and every parent does. But the real self starts to emerge, and what happens is, is that the ideal starts to beat up on the real and says, you shouldn't be like this. And we develop this criticalness in our head.
0: Hmm. Boy, and, there's a lot of that going around oh, in there. Well, here's what
2: happens. Um, we start to hide. We hide some parts of ourself. And we either try harder to overcome it or we hide it and don't tell anybody. So people develop addictions. They feel shameful. They can't be angry. Um, perfectionists. Guilt all the time. Um, they have maybe kind of a judgmental attitude, kind of a critical nature. And these are parts of us that get kind of kind of buried and then express themselves through some of these different uh, different avenues. For instance, um, you have a business owner that says, gosh, I, just, I shouldn't be angry at people. I shouldn't be upset. Gosh, it feels so bad. And then you start to talk to them because anger is a signal that, that something's going wrong, whether it's imagined or real. And you talk to them a little bit, and you find out when they were growing up, anger was a scary thing in a family. And if you were angry, people either wouldn't talk to you, or uh, they would he, get angry back. And so you had to go what, to
0: your room. Yeah. Yeah. So,
2: so it wasn't an approved emotion. So you, you hide it. You you split it off as the term is in psychology. It's called splitting. You split off that part of yourself, and then you can't be angry. So you develop obsessions and eating eating issues, and headaches, and, or sadness. shouldn't be sad. Don't don't, don't be sad over that. Mm -hmm. Somebody's sad in their business, and they feel like, gosh, something's wrong with me. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. It's a signal that uh, you're losing something that's important to you. And, of course, growing up, maybe we couldn't be sad. It was a sign of weakness. So we split that off. It goes down below, and maybe we become perfectionists to work it over and work harder.
0: And so what basically you're saying is that the split between the real self and the ideal self... Um, it creates a lot of these problems that we deal with the the, the constant criticism, yeah. the the drive to be a perfectionist, which mm-hmm. be perfect, which we'll never reach. Right. You know, which basically basically means that we're going to constantly be critical of ourselves,
3: right?
0: And or, or uh, of others.
2: It, it can go others. either in or it goes out.
0: Yeah. Uh, or addictions, you know, we overeat cuz we're cuz we're sad and we don't we can't don't have permission to express it, so we've got to do something with it, right? Yeah, right. So we have a hot fudge sunday. Um, <laughs> or something, you know. And so what you're basically saying is this ideal versus the real, the unacceptance of our real self is what pushes us into some of these compulsions. Right,
3: right.
2: And what happens is is, is people when they get stuck in their business, there it means that there're probably parts deep inside that are blocking something going on, maybe more success or, or getting out and meeting people or uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're not, they're not aware of it, but something does seem to be wrong.
3: Right. And
2: so because it's a split-off kind of hidden part, they don't quite know what it is. Right. So as we sit down and listen to them and start asking questions and probing, this person was, was struggling with anger at people in, in their business. And I asked about uh father figure and who was an angry person. And so to be angry at people in my business, or just even just to feel it and just work with it, not to go be angry at them, of course, yeah, uh, is couldn't acknowledge that, because that felt like the way Dad made me feel, and I don't want to look like that, so I can't be angry because it's a bad thing. Yet angry, anger is a protective emotion. And it's like a weapon. It can be misused, but it is a signal.
0: Mm-hmm. And we can deal with our anger without mm-hmm. having to deal with it with them. Yeah. You know, we can express it in in our, you know, the privacy of our own homes. You you know, we teach people, I teach people how to protest all the time. There you go. You know, just admit it. Get it out. You know, don't have to hurt anybody with it or yourself, but don't walk around and get a migraine instead, you know.
2: (laughs) Right. Right. So if you think about it, the the goal here is to, to have the real self, the, the real me that maybe people don't know much about. And, and you and I, are, as consultants, certainly will hear things people have never told anybody. And I remember somebody telling me something. I said, You have, in 40 years, you have never told anybody this. No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. And what happens is the parts of us we hide, those parts can't be loved. They can't be brought out into the open to talk with somebody. They're hidden. Mm-hmm. So you never really get to know me, so there's never this sense I can trust you. Mm-hmm. so, as people and that's why we encourage people to to work with consultants and talk to people in your business, people that are safe and pastors and your spouse if they're safe, things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, to express the feelings, yeah mm-hmm. to, because internalizing them and holding them is only going to take you down right. It's right. only going to per- perpetuate what already the problem you're having,
2: yes. so the, so the the to back up and talk about the ideal self, it comes really, from, from our family upbringing and society. And it's not always it's not good or bad, it's just there. Right, right. And what happens is what was valued in our family and in our culture becomes internalized inside of us.
3: hmm mm-hmm.
2: And so if if getting great grades and being perfect and not getting angry was valued, then we're going to put that inside of us. If being uh, compassionate and loving and uh, ministering to people was valued, that becomes a part of us.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. And yet
2: what people do is they feel bad about good things or they feel good about bad things. Say that again. Well, they, you'll, you'll notice in, in businesses people will say, gosh, I, success scares me. I don't know why I can't get there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And they're afraid to feel good. Because? Because if I feel good, that's bad. That makes other people feel bad. Or it I don't deserve it. Or I don't like the attention because when it happened in my family and my brother got successful... Or I did, we were told we shouldn't feel that way, or we, we didn't deserve it, things like that. Mm-hmm. And so the point is, is to think, all right, what, what are some messages in there that might have come from over the years? Not necessarily growing up, but over the
0: years. Well, you know, and, and interestingly enough, a lot of that stuff gets buried. I mean, you mm-hmm. really, you really yeah. don't know it's existing until you sometimes you you sail into uncharted territory, meaning you get successful. You know, and uh, you've been working hard and you know you deserve it because you've done all this stuff. You've stayed up late at night, you've worked seven days a week, you've done all the stuff you've been told you should do to be successful. Now you get it, and now you feel bad. And you go what is this about you know and uh, i think you know um dave that i'm writing a book on um, celebrity sabotage yeah. and how celebrities which I mean, you can't pick up a magazine without them blowing up their world you know why in the world are these people who have everything Act like this. Why does mm-hmm. Britney she, Spears, Britney Spears, mm-hmm. shave her head? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, and it's not because she's trying to be nuts. It's because you know this stuff is going on inside of her that hasn't been resolved. Absolutely. And
2: and, and you know, it, for somebody like her, for instance, she has to go into rehab, and their goal is to help her uncover some of those hidden split off parts.
0: Exactly, and integrate know? them.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and to grow pro- with her, probably some mature things.
0: Right. Yeah, and, I, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Let me see. I'm mad at someone, so I'm going to shave my head. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting.
2: And so if you think about it, that if when we're little and adolescents, if we get enough good from our family and can give enough good, we can tolerate the bad because our tank is full enough. Mm-hmm. You see that in marriages. You see
3: that in businesses. Mm-hmm.
2: And in marriage, if there's, an, if there's enough trust and love there, when they hit the skids, and they always do, we always do in our marriages, there's enough good there to sustain us and hold us together. Right, right. But for a lot of people, there isn't. They're running on empty and, and don't even know it. And so when it hits bad, it it goes. It explodes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And little do they know that they're fighting that ideal self versus the real self.
0: And that's when they've hit reality, okay? Yes, and we're yes. talking about crashing into reality, and you're crashing into your real self. Okay, so let's help, help people... Um, uh, handle that? What, what do they okay. need to do?
2: First thing, and we've said this, I think every time you and I have talked, and, and you're, we're both big proponents of it, find somebody safe to talk to.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, when you don't feel safe anyway, that's hard to figure out who's safe. Exactly. But mm-hmm. you have to take little practice runs at it. Mm-hmm. Whether it's a priest, a pastor, a therapist, maybe it's your husband that you haven't, or, or wife that, that you have, have not told them certain things about your childhood. Mm-hmm. You hear that all the time.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I really haven't told my spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or my my family or whatever. and But find somebody that you kind of just sit and unload and confess with.
3: Mm-hmm. It could be
2: things you've done, things that happened to you. It doesn't matter. But mm-hmm. somebody that can sit there and just kind of love you in that, so that those parts that feel shameful and bad can be brought out to light, and they lose their power.
0: Yes. Yes. And once you admit it, they mm-hmm. lose their power. Absolutely. You know, I, I remember, and this is a long time ago, but I remember I was, uh, it was when I was dating, and I had a, a, a really critical conversation with a guy I was dating, and somehow we're in there, I started to, to talk about that I really was. Um, uh, pretty strong and, and had some control issues. And and I was just, I was putting that out there and I was just, you know, cringing inside. And, and, mm. he, and he looked at me like, yeah, so like, I don't know that. <laughs> like, I haven't gotten that you're controlling, you know? Oh my gosh, you know, where, where have you, you been? You thought it was a big secret, huh? Yeah, I thought it was a big secret. And I thought it was being so self-disclosing to tell uh. him. And, uh, you know, I was shocked. I was shocked to get that he already knew it and it was kind of okay. He sort of rolled with it, you know?
2: That's a good point. People often aren't all that surprised.
0: And no, and they know it. It's yeah. us and that don't know it or won't admit <laughs> it. I mean, they, they've known it all along.
2: <laughs> I know. I have one person I'm consulting with, and they're telling about their story and some of their issues. And I said, have you ever told some of these things on stage? You know, kind of kind of a, a testimonial as you're building your business, some of your roadblocks and some of the things that you've struggled yeah.
3: with. And the answer My was mm-hmm.
2: Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. But and so this person went out and rewrote and spoke in front of thousands of people and the response was incredible because it makes it normalizes us. It's like, you know what? I have that too. Yeah. Yeah. And and what it does is it takes that ideal person that I make in my head, that ideal self that I want to be that I'm not, so I see them as ideal. And it makes them more real to me, and I feel like we're more on the same plane. Of course.
0: Well, you know that's one of the great things. Um, I know you do uh, coaching. I do. I do group uh, group mm-hmm. group no group <laughs> group coaching. Yeah. On the phone yeah. and uh, with uh, people from all over the country mm-hmm. and always, always after the first session, um, people are saying, wow, I had no idea that other people felt this. Right, right. Because we do feel isolated with it. We think that everyone else is perfect and it's just us that's flawed. But, uh, you know, we're not flawed. We all have these issues. We all struggle with it. And there is something very reassuring about hearing somebody else say, yeah, man, I, you know, I have some problems with that too.
2: Yep, yep. yep. And, And you realize, you know, we're all in the same boat. We're all more alike than
0: different. That's right. That's right.
2: So, uh, first thing is to confess and just kind of unload with somebody, and, and the second thing is, and this is kind of a surprising one, but it's to forgive. Whether, forgive yourself for things maybe you've done that you've struggled with, or that things people have done to you. They may not be asking for it, they may, but but to see people as flawed and doing the best they can, it may, it may be the best they could do, and it was still horrible.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: And not minimizing that at all, or the best we could do was still horrible, but... To forgive is to let go. It doesn't mean you can trust them. It doesn't mean you even need to get close to them. Mm
3: -hmm. But it
2: means to see them as flawed as well Mm
3: -hmm. as you
2: are and then be able to move on from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The third one is to be able to integrate your negative emotions, for instance, fear, sadness, anger, things like that. And sadness, for instance, means there's there's a hurt and there's a loss. And, And to be able to think, okay, I can still have good things in my life and still from time to time be sad. It's not either or. Yes. When we're split ideal versus real. It's got to be one or the other. And typically, it's got to be all perfect.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, somebody's perfect, and I'm bad, or somebody's bad, and I'm perfect.
3: Mm-hmm. Or, or anger. You know, I shouldn't be
2: angry. Well, we've got to get that on the table and realize maybe your anger is coming from something deeper, and that's okay.
0: Right, right. And, and, and that none of us, uh, I mean, when you're dead is when you don't feel. I mean, you're going to be sad. You're going to be angry. It's not a question about whether you're going to feel these things. The question is how you're going to accept them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, are you going to make yourself bad because you have them, or are you going to accept it and integrate it and say, hey, this is real. This is life. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay. Now, what I do with them is is a mature question.
2: Right. Journaling is a good way to do that. But sitting down with somebody who can ask them questions, because sometimes we don't know enough to ask ourselves.
3: Uh Uh-huh.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, look at look at look at family history and patterns. Look at who who promoted the ideal, you know, or who, on the flip side, would promote um, people feeling bad,
3: mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: whether some people grew up with maybe a parent that was a substance abuser or a parent that worked a ton and had a really hard work ethic, or one I've heard a lot is is I was successful as a young child, but I couldn't share that at home because it made my brother or sister feel bad.
0: Right, right. So
3: they just kind of stuff it.
0: Right. So they get into one of these big organizations, and they they have all the great work ethic, and they do well, but they feel guilty about yeah. getting up on stage and accepting yep, yep. it.
2: Oh, that's okay. It's no big deal. I, you know, it's all right. Everybody can get there. Yeah. You know. Yeah.
0: Well, or, or you know, they just feel bad about being there because, you know, all the siblings aren't getting it as well, you know. So yeah, it's right. like, I can't have it if they can't have it. Well, right, you know, right. companies tend to um, uh, not be mm-hmm. inclusive in that area. You know, mm-hmm. you earn it and you get it and you don't, you don't, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay. So, all right. Let's talk about being mature now. Yeah. All right.
2: The you probably
0: don't know much about that, do you, Dave? No, no, I don't. That's my wife. <laughs>
2: This is the stage of maturity and competence. So you start off, the baby, the child, feels connected, feels warm, feels attached, starts to branch out, starts to take risks. Then, then as they develop a little more competence, they start to learn about good and bad things. They internalize the morality, the morals, their, their feelings, what works in life, how to treat people, how not to treat, you know, things like that, and how to deal with success and failure and, and, and still feel, feel good about me but also look at the things where I struggle with. Or the things I'm successful at, and to integrate those. Mm-hmm. Then as you move into the adulthood stage, which tends to be more adolescence is when they develop this. This is about developing competence, becoming a peer. Because if you think about it, kids are little people, and they look at big people, and uh, they don't feel as powerful, although some sometimes get the power of their family. But they're in a real one-down position.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: mm-hmm. so... The process of, of maturing is moving out of a, a one-up, one-down relationship with people and into a peer relationship with other adults.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, some of the some of the struggles with this would be uh, somebody's need for approval. It just seems like I can never do enough, and people just need to know what people think of this, and I need to know if it's okay, and so they go around taking polls of what people think I should do. I have a hard time making decisions, or they second-guess their decisions, or... Or they have a difficult time differing with somebody else's opinion, and that kind of hits the second stage about being separate, and as well as the adult competency stage.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, sometimes we always feel like we're kind of a little kid with a bunch of adults. We're in, a, we're in a business or an environment with a lot of people who seem to know what they're doing and seem to have it all together, and I just feel, you know, really, really small.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, or you have some who seem to always be kind of tell-oriented. They kind of parent people. they kind of always telling people what they think they should think or do or say and uh, kind of asserting themselves into the conversation or or role. Mm -hmm. And then you have those that just hate authority, and they cannot take anything from anybody. So if you have somebody in your business, you're trying to help them grow that, and you think, gosh, they never seem to want advice from me or help. They seem to resist it or get angry or ignore me if they have a, an issue with authority. Another one is just the inability to relax once in a while. Always feel kind of tense. Always feel kind of on guard.
0: And these it's are just, all symptoms of people who yes. have some uh, issue uh, at the maturity level. Yes.
2: Feeling competent. And, and for them, they can certainly look at their adolescent years. Mm-hmm. Begin to look at the adults that they spent time with and their peers, and which were people who kind of celebrated their separateness and their opinions and their ideas, not that they got what they wanted began to gradually hand over more of their life to them. Because if you don't do that, kids tend to take it, or they tend to give it up. Mm -hmm. They tend to become very defiant or very passive. Mm -hmm. Now, take one of the two roles. And often in a family, you have have different kids who who one will do one and one will do the other. Mm -hmm. So really, competency in adults is the, the process, just like in our businesses, of taking on more and more power and responsibility in our business as we grow our business. Or as adolescents or young adults, as we become old enough to take on more you know, responsibility and power. Mm-hmm. So we're moving from that kind of one-down position to the one-up, or actually not the one-up, some people are one-up, to kind of a, an, an equal position. Up yeah. A peer. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I was reading this in, in an article once, and it said, here's, about, here's the, the, the four or five um, hallmarks or aspects of an adult. It, it's being powerful, meaning taking action making decisions. Um, expertise. Feeling like I'm good at something. Mm-hmm. That, that I've it. That, uh, that I can get better. I can feel like, oh, okay, I'm really good at this. Mm-hmm. And in and businesses, you know, we all practice you know, talking to people and making phone calls and working with money and inventories and budgeting and things like that. And sometimes some of us know some of those and some of us don't, but we need to become expertise in those. And you've got to start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to... To to uh, advise, admonish, or correct people, to be able to say, you know what? If if," this is a great phrase I heard once, you know, if if you're ever doing something in your business that I thought was hurting you or it, would you want me to tell you?
3: Mm. That
2: that takes that takes some guts to say.
0: Yeah, it does. Much less guts to hear. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but you know, I I would
2: want to hear something like that. Not that I would like it.
0: Well, I have a few things to tell you, Dave. Hey, no, hey, can playing. you tell me what I'm, nobody I'm listening? Fl- I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> you're my friend. I'm playing. But here, you know, I, I have a lot of empathy for the leaders in this in uh, these industries because they can't give them feedback very well. So if
2: you're a leader and you notice that when you get feedback or maybe you're teaching a class or, or whatever, and certain people seem to not take it in or they seem to kind of roll their eyes or leave early or... Um, seem to kind of sneer at it. You can kind of tell who those are. They tend to get defensive because they're, they're feeling that one up, one down thing, and they would rather be one up, keep everybody else one down. Oh, I can do this myself. I can invent my own training system.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. A lot. yeah, I know everything already. Yes. Oh, really? So okay. why aren't you making money? Huh? Yeah, oh. how
2: much money are you making? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, or the other ones who who live on every word you say, and that was so one, they idealize you. That was so wonderful.
0: They're and, easier to take. That, oh, they are, and they,
2: <laughs> they feel good. But ultimately, you got to hold yeah. their hand a lot and begin to think. You know what? They don't feel like a real grown up.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They're not internalizing it. Right. So you have you yes, you have power, taking action. You have expertise and feeling
2: good at something. The ability to kind of support and admonish and correct and coach and encourage. Uh, another aspect of adulthood is to be feel like you're an influencer. You can influence how things. You can't control and you can't tell, but you can influence. Yeah. You can tell if you're in a corporate environment and you're the boss. Mm-hmm. People can quit, but in these businesses, it's volunteer army.
0: Yes, and you got to become a master at uh-huh. motivating and influencing. Yes,
2: yes. They say that people that work in in, in uh, nonprofit volunteer agencies, churches, business like this, can rule the world if they can really put together a good business. Hmm. They know how to motivate and train and lead.
0: That's interesting. That makes good sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
2: I was a pastor at one time. Mm-hmm. And uh, you have volunteer army,
3: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, hoping people show up to help you with this, this function or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and you always rely on that, those 20 percent who do 80 percent of the work.
0: Right, right. That's the same in the businesses, right?
2: And then another last aspect of being an adult is submission, being able to submit to authority, not resent it, but see it as an office that somebody holds. And it's not a personal issue can become that but but typically it's not a personal issue and it's what they're supposed to
3: do Mm -hmm.
2: and if i don't like being submissive i either need to build my business or or go get more training or get another degree and get into another business or another job but to lead you've got to at one point have been led Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. and in these businesses there's always that hierarchy and uh which is a good thing.
0: So the willingness to learn, the Mm -hmm. willingness to say, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm still a work in progress. I've still got things to grow here, and I'm going to listen to the people who have made it in in one way or the other. You know, they've Mm -hmm. made it uh, financially or they've made it uh, time-wise or they've done something that's helped them get where they are, and I'm going to learn something from them.